Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, if you would. Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38, we, we see this statement at the, at the end of chapter 38, before you get to chapter 11, where it says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. The Israelites did not go in the promised land the first time. Why? Because they drew back. They were not willing to trust him. They didn't get what God intended for them to have. All of those who refused to go in that first time ended up dying in the wilderness. It was only the new folks that came up that got to go in to the promised land. And it was because they chose to live by faith. There are four times in scripture where those words in that, in that, in that order are stated. The first is Habakkuk 2 and verse 4, where it says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Romans 1.17 says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And then in Galatians 3.11, it says, But no man but that no man is justified in the law is the sight of, in the sight of God. It is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And then Hebrews ten thirty eight. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. So what does it mean to live by faith? Well, it means that we we trust without seeing. We don't have to see what's coming, but we can still trust the Lord. That's living by faith. It means that we take steps without knowing where the path is leading. We have to trust that the, God, the Lord's going to put our, put our foot down in a place. It's almost like, you know, you see pictures. They try to depict it in, uh, in illustrations. And they show people walking on water or they show people walking through the air. And, uh, and they, they walk off the side of a mountain. They put their foot down and all of a sudden a cloud appears that they can step on. And they take another step, and a cloud appears that they can step on. But when they initiate the step, they know what's going to happen. That was true with the nation of Israel when they went across the Red Sea. It wasn't until they put their feet in the water that the water began to part. So they walked by faith. They lived by faith. So living by faith means that we move forward without being, being able to see where we're going. We believe without being able to see. We obey without being able to see. In other words, we do not demand that God gives us the knowledge that we need to be able to know what's going to happen the rest of the way down the road before we're willing to obey what he says. That's walking by faith. The just shall live by faith. That's living by faith. Now in Hebrews chapter 11... This chapter, the whole chapter deals with faith, but he begins, verse number one, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen are not made of things which do appear. But it's the evidence of things not seen. I mentioned earlier, the world says that seeing is believing. The Bible says that believing is seeing. It's important to understand that for, for us as believers. We believe and then we see. But look down at verse number 6. 
Here's an interesting verse. It says, without faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's, it's not possible for us to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord unless we're willing to live by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We talked uh, several, before the coronavirus came, we were doing a series with, that have to do with biblical absolutes. There are so many things in Scripture that principles and, and Bible truths that are absolute. What that means is that there is no disputing them. They're not up for, for uh, uh, you know, to, to discuss whether or not it's, it's really true or not. This is a negative, but it's also an absolute. It is impossible to please God unless you're willing to walk by faith. And notice what else it says. It gives us a clear indication of what walking by faith or living by faith is. And it's very simple. For he that cometh to God must first believe that he is. The very essence of faith is just understanding that God exists, that he is the sovereign creator of the universe. I say that often, and I think it's important for us to remember that. We get so comfortable with talking about who God is that sometimes we forget exactly who he is. We forget his majesty and his power and his glory and his holiness and all of those things that are true. We live in a society where even those who believe in God make him common. They act like he's just another man. And they treat him as if he's just our big buddy. Now, he is our Heavenly Father, and we can cry unto him, Abba, Father. Cry unto him as our Father. And there's a familiarity with that relationship that we enjoy. But we never, we better never get to the place where we fail to respect him for who he is. You can feel close to him, and you can love him, and you can have a close relationship with him, but you better remember who he is. We must believe that he is, and that he is the God of eternity. He is my heavenly Father, and that's a wonderful, wonderful truth. So, for a, for a man to have faith, he must first believe that he is. The second thing, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Believe that he is who he, is, who he, who he said he was, and believe that he'll do what he said he'd do. In the first thing, in the first situation, it's a, it's, a, it's a matter of our salvation. We believe that he is. Christ is the Son of God. Christ is God. God in the flesh. He came to this earth. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. He was buried. He rose the third day from the grave. And then he was seen of others. That is who he is. And if you believe that, and you believe in what he did, and what he did for you, and you trust him, then that's salvation. Second thing has to do with our security. If you believe that he is who he said he is, and he's going to do what he said he would do, then we have no cause to worry ever about anything. Because he has promised he would be with us, 
in every situation. I will not leave thee nor forsake thee. So walking by faith means that we understand who God is, we believe he is who he said he is, and we walk in such a way that demonstrates that we believe he's going to do what he said he'd do. I can walk by faith, I can trust him, I don't have to have the answer to everything up front because I know that he is going to be with me and he'll, he'll take care of whatever I need. So, with that in mind, I want you to turn, flip the page, and let's look at the book of James. James, the book of James is a very practical book. He is writing to some of the same people that uh, the writer of Hebrews writes to. And, uh, and it's very interesting, the, the way he starts the book, the, the very beginning. We're going to kind of do a survey of the book. Uh, today we're not going to be able to get in, into into all of it in great depth, but but I want you to see some things that are very specific and that are very important. But notice, beginning in verse number two, he says, "My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations." Now that's an interesting admonition, is it not? When you fall into a temptation, when you face a temptation or you face a trial, how do you respond? Is there anybody in here that when a trial comes, an unexpected circumstance that is challenging to you, the first thing you say is, oh, how happy I am. What great joy I have. I now get to deal with this temptation. That's not how we respond, is it? We respond by saying, can you believe this? I've got to deal with this right now. I've got this going on. I've got this going on. I've got this going on. We, we have, uh, you know, w- when, when something comes to challenge us, we suddenly become the busiest people that ever lived. We may not have anything going on. We're in the middle of the coronavirus. Everybody's been sitting at home. They've had this stay-at-home order and you're sitting at home. And something comes up and it's a challenge to you. And you think to yourself, I've got all of this I'm dealing with with the coronavirus, which is sitting at home and doing nothing, but now I've got to deal with this too. And we consider it a challenge. It's something we don't want. We don't like it. It's unpleasant. And we wish we didn't have to deal with the challenges of life. But James says, hey, wait a minute. Don't look at it as if it's a bad thing. Understand that maybe it's a good thing. And that's the premise of what he's saying. Count it joy when you fall into diverse temptation, various temptations. Why? Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Now we've been talking over the last several weeks, for the last eight eight or nine weeks, We've been talking about the importance of faith in the life of a Christian and how it ought to affect us as we deal with situations that come that we don't expect. But James says that we're supposed to rejoice in those challenges and understand that the trying of our faith will help us the trying, the, the, the trial of the trying of your faith worketh patience. And there's a progression here. 
He says, but let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now, before we, before we get into this, I want you to remember certain things. We have to remember who God is, remember what, is, what he's promised. And there's certain things about God we need to remember. First of all, it's vital that we remember that God is not the author of evil. God's not responsible for suffering. God's not responsible for the, 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 the uh, battles that we have with, with, with uh, suffering and, and, and persecution, those kinds of things. Uh, later, we, we'll get to it later, but in chapter 5, uh, James begins talking about patience. He ends the book talking about patience. Chapter 5, verse 7, he says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. And then he comes down to verse 11. You have heard of the patience of Job. If you study the life of Job, you'll learn certain things that are important. One is that God's not the one who was responsible for all that he went through. Now somebody will say, well, wait a minute. God's the one that gave Satan permission. Yeah, but Satan's the one that did the dirty work. Satan's the one that wants to destroy us, not God. And, uh, and so it's important that we understand that all evil, all suffering, everything that's wrong in this world is the result of man's sin. It doesn't have anything to do with God. It's because man has chosen to reject the truth of God's law. They've chosen to reject the authority of God. You know, in our society today, we're in the middle of, of all of this and the, 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 the murder of George Floyd and all of that. And I'm not, I want to get into this in a, in a big way, but I want you to understand something. That all of the looting and the violence and everything that's going on is spreading around our country. That's because people have rejected the authority of God. They want to, they want to say, well, no, they're, they're, they're trying to get justice. They're not interested in justice. I'm interested in justice, and I think that guy needs to be held accountable for what he did, and I think what he did was wrong. And any man with a, with, a, with a brain who can see what happened would feel the same way. But you don't get there by perpetrating your own injustice. The evil that happens in our society, the wrong that occurs, the, the challenges that we face as far as suffering and 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 persecution, those kinds of things. They're not of God. God, James chapter, chapter 1 and verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift comes where? From where? Cometh down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Two, two absolutes are in that verse. Number one, every good gift that we receive comes from God, and every gift that God gives is good. God is not the author of evil. The second thing is, God does not owe us anything. God doesn't owe man anything. It's not, it's not his responsibility to do anything for us because we have rejected what he offered us, in the, for the most part. When, when a person gets saved, they receive his, his grace. But, but the point is, we're in, we're in the mess we're in because we have chosen of our own free will to reject his law. We do our own thing. God does not owe us anything. Everything we have is a result of God's character, 
his love and his grace and his desire to help us, to give us things that we don't deserve. And then the third thing is that God's heart primarily is filled with, and his, and his attitude toward man is, is, is filled with tender compassion and exceedingly great mercy. He is compassionate toward us and he is merciful toward us. The reason we're still alive, the reason those who don't know Christ are still alive today is because of God's mercy. He has chosen to extend their opportunity to hear the gospel and to respond positively to the offer he's made them. And the fact fact that we're still here as well, even though we're believers, is the result of his kindness, his mercy, his goodness to us. Now, understanding that, we need to remember when it talks about trying the trying of, of our faith. By the way, what happened with Job, all that? God didn't do it, Satan did it. God didn't owe Job anything, and Job understood that. He said, naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked I'll go back to him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm not going to criticize him for what's happened to me, because he doesn't owe me anything. And God was very gracious and very compassionate toward Job. He gave him back everything that he lost, double. And, uh, and even during the time when Satan was given the, 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 uh, the ability to, to persecute Job, the Bible says that God put a hedge around him. And he protected him even in that situation. So God's grace is, is, is always evident. But here, again, verse number three, knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience. So we have a progression here. Our faith, which is, 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 is uh, absolutely necessary if we're going to please God. You can't please God without having faith. Your faith is going to be tried. And the result of that is, if you respond properly, is you will gain patience. Um, we looked a few weeks ago in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and it talks about the ultimate goal is our perfection. We're going to become like the Savior one day. And so between now and then, we're in that process. You know how we get from where we are now to where we're going to be eventually? It's patience. It's waiting. It's trusting. It's understanding that there are things that are going to happen in our lives that we're not going to like but we're going to learn lessons from us. And each of those situations are going to help us gain spiritual maturity. We're going to make progress in our walk with the Lord, and we're going to become more like the Son of God. And, and hopefully, by the time we get to the end of our lives, we're going to have a great deal more spiritual maturity than we had when we were younger. Um, I've been through over the years, and I don't have time to, to give you all of the things and. But I've been through all kinds of, of trials in church situations, and I've had battles, some of them of my own doing. You would not believe this, but when I was much younger, I did a lot of things and said a lot of things and preached a lot of things that were not exactly, I mean, now they weren't far off. They weren't a long way off, but, but you know, they were, they were enough off that when I look back now and realize that I don't want to tell you about some of them. And, 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 and you look at me, kind of chuckle, but 
you probably don't want to tell me about everything that's happened with you either. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a universal truth. But through every one of those situations, you know what happened? As I yielded myself to the Lord, he taught me a lesson. That's how I don't, how, the, the reason why I don't do some of those things before. Um, there's a, I, I watched a, a comedian, a Christian comedian, who's talking about kids today, you know, they're, they're going to ride a, a skateboard or they ride a bicycle or whatever, and they put this helmet on them, you got pads around their arms, you know, and they got pads around their knees and, and all this kind of stuff. It said, it looks like the Michelin man protecting them, you know, protecting them. Because when you fall down, you don't want them to get hurt. And he said, you know what? <laughs> Falling down on the concrete without protection was my motivation to stay upright. You know, it was, it was the way I learned to stay upright. If you fall down, it doesn't hurt. Then it doesn't, you know, doesn't bother you to fall down again. You, the, the, the trying of your faith helps you to grow. But notice it says, the trying of your faith worketh patience. If we are patient in the trial and we let God use it to, to, to help us to grow, the next step is power. See, that the, the, the life of faith is a life of peril, which means you're going to have trials. It's a life of patience because those trials are going to help you to learn to wait on the Lord to help you to, to grow then it'll be a life of power because you'll gain victory over those things which once caused you not to, not to be able to do what you should do. And then ultimately, the end of all of that is perfection. That's maturity. That's the progression. That's the spiritual life in a nutshell. You walk by faith and your faith is tried. Do you really believe God? Are you really trusting the Lord? Well, this will help you to find out. You've got a situation where you have a, an unexpected bill comes up. You don't know where you're going to get it to, to, to pay it, and you have to trust the Lord. You have a, a situation where, where something happens that you weren't expecting as far as your health, and you're uncertain about where it's going to go, and there's a, a real concern because it's a serious thing. Um, those of you at Trinity know who Max Barton is. He's been here many times. A very, very good friend of mine, a good preacher, uh, loves the Lord. He's, a, he's always been a, a great encouragement when he's come. Max and Linda Barton been in the ministry for over 50 years. Uh, they were living in, in Panama City, Florida with his son. And um, they decided to move back to northeast Alabama. They got to northeast Alabama, found the house, got moved in, and the very first thing that happened in January was, it was Glenda's sister, right? No, it was Brother Barton's. Okay, Max's, Max Barton's sister died, so they had her funeral. By the end of January, his wife, Glenda Barton, they found out that she had several blockages. She had open heart surgery, had to go in the hospital, was in the hospital for several days. Well, in the meantime, the coronavirus came along. And, uh, and just as she was getting better and got home, Max Barton, Dr. Barton, found out that he had an, an aneurysm in his aorta, a huge aneurysm in his aorta. He, went, uh, he was having pain. He went to the doctor. They said, well, let's do a CAT scan because he couldn't figure out what it was. 
he went, got back home after the CAT scan, and when he got home, they got a, got a phone call and said, Mr. Barton, you need to go to the emergency room right away. And he said, well, I'll, I'll talk, I'll call my doctor and see what they say. Well, it wasn't long as his doctor called him and said, Mr. Barton, you need to go to the emergency room right away. And uh, so his wife drove him up to the hospital. He got out and went in the hospital. She went back home. That's the way they do things today. And he was in the hospital for 10 days. They repaired the aneurysm, and he got out. That was how their, that's, that's how their year has gone so far. That's tough. You lose a sister, your wife has open-heart surgery, and then you have a, a serious medical issue. They, they told him, you know, I mean, it, it was within just a hair of bursting, and had that happened, he'd have had, uh, you know, very short period of time, he'd have been gone. And, uh, and the doctor's trying to be, you know, serious with him and talk to him. He said, well, you know, I've, I've, people have told me that you're a good doctor. I have great confidence in you. But he said, you know what? I've got more confidence in the Lord. And so go ahead and operate because the Lord's going to take care of whatever happens. That's, for most of us, would be a trial to our patience, wouldn't you think? A trial to our faith. You know, you would, you, I mean, we look at it and you think, well, Lord, I hope you're going to take care of this. No, we're supposed to have confidence. But the trial of your faith worketh patience, the Bible says. Now, Tonight, we're going to look at, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight. eight. I'm not going to finish the message this morning. I'll finish it tonight. Eight, eight, eight things that James addresses that are trials to our faith. Things that we're going to face as believers as we seek to serve the Lord and seek to honor Him. And as we go through those things, we have to understand what's going on. It's a trial of our faith. How are you going to respond when this happens? What's going to happen to your relationship with the Lord when this new challenge comes? That's what the Christian life is. Some people are, are amazed. They get saved. What did, what did you think was going to happen when you got saved? Everything was going to be fine. Everything was going to be wonderful. Now I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. Everything's going to be great. Do you know that it's much easier to be an unbeliever and to live your life the way you want to and everything is much calmer and much better and there are no battles because you're doing what's natural. But for a believer, when a person gets saved, then they have to start walking by faith. And that's a, that's a learning process. And it's a challenge. Every kid, when they come into this world, they, we've got, we've got, hey, after the service, if you want to see some cute kids learning to walk, let me know. I've got them, got them on my phone. You know, I can show you all, uh, ten, 10 kids, we, our kids and then 10 grandkids, and they're, they get up and they're bobbling along, you know, and, and you're holding their, their hands and, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, if we didn't learn how to live by faith, none of us would be upright right now. We'd all still be on the floor crawling. Because that's what life is. And for a believer, life is faith. 
It's walking by faith. It's trusting God. It's living in spite of the problems. And and understanding that if I'm going to get through this, I'm going to have to have patience. We have problems because we get, uh, we get uh, distracted because we are... You, you get so focused on the problem that you forget to look at who's got the cure. You can, can be so focused on trying to deal with the issue that you're facing that you forget to put your trust in the one who has the answer. You, and, and that's a distraction. Satan uses that to keep us from, from putting our trust in the Lord. We, we get focused on, and, uh, and, and, and if we're not careful, we'll begin to doubt. We'll begin to wonder, well, maybe the Lord's not going to take care of this. Or maybe there's going to be a, you know, maybe there's going to be more to this than I think there is. And usually there is. But, but those are all things that, the, the distractions, the doubt, those are things that come up if, if we're not careful. And we as believers have to remember that God's in control and he's going to meet our needs. We must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He is who he says he is. He's going to do what he says he's going to do. That's what it means to walk by faith. I would encourage you this afternoon to go through and read through the book of James. We're going to cover the entire book in survey style, in a summary basis tonight. And, um, and I want to show you the primary things. And then, and, then, and then in James, it summarizes it all for us as well. There's just a, a four or five verses that cover everything that James talks about here. That put it in a nutshell. That helps us to understand exactly what James is trying to to emphasize in our life. So I hope you'll be back tonight at 6 o'clock. But in the meantime, read the book of James and, and remember that your life is a series of steps. Got saved and you have a, a responsibility to walk by faith. There's going to be, it's a life of peril because there are going to be trials and temptations and challenges. Those, ch- those challenges, those trials will lead to patience. Patience, if you let it have its, 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 do its job, then it will help us to have the power to overcome the trials that we face. And the result of that is you'll be that much closer to perfection. That's what James is saying. Look again, verses 3 and 4. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be perfect and entire and not want anything because you've got every need you have met? You know, that's, that's what the Christian life is supposed to be. And we'll get there eventually when the Lord returns. But in the meantime, we can have that same kind of contentment because we know who he is and we believe that he's going to do what he said he'd do. Let's stand together with heads bowed and eyes closed.